This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. What up, folks? No Paul Gallant. It's me, Michael Bumpus, filling in for my guy. Welcome to the most interactive sports talk show in all of the land. I'm teamed up with more Dooley as usual. Here's the question of the day. All right, do you think Pete Carroll took a shot at Russell Wilson during his presser when he mentioned that the QB needed to get rid of the ball on time? We got sound for that later. Tune in. But right now, we got to talk about these Mariners, man. These Mariners. The Mariners scratched Jake Fairley from the lineup before the game. They pulled Justin Dunn just after two innings, and they trailed, but they still found a way to win. This team, man, this team is just something special. Sometimes they look like world beaters. Sometimes they look like a young team that's in the process of developing. Um, It was a crazy day. Crazy day. So you have Ty France with a two-run homer. You have Torrens with a single, excuse me, a, a solo shot. And also, Shed Long tying double in the bottom of the ninth. It's like... Excitement everywhere. People love the long ball. They love the home runs. But seeing Shed put the ball into play is what was exciting for me. But to go further, Seager, who won the game for these guys, wasn't even expecting to play. He's in the dugout. Mine's not in the game. He's a fan. He's a spectator. He's probably chewing, eating policies and, and playing all these games that they do in the dugout. Gets a tap on the shoulder and says, hey, go win this game for us. That's exactly what he does. I was on the Danny Galant show earlier. And when we laid out that situation, I'm like, that's just a professional right there. That is a professional, a guy who's not locked in, not worried about playing, gets called to get in the game, does what he has to do. It's really impressive. I know some people think that, oh, he's a professional. He should do that. It should be easy. I want you guys to go and and go to your son's little league game, right, and watch him go out there and hit and, you know, go to the varsity high school game. You guys sit in the stands and watch these boys play and have – the skipper come to you, tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I need one at-bat from you. It's hard to turn on that switch. So the fact that he was able to do it is impressive. And this team just gives you more and more to love about him. More duly. What are your thoughts on this baseball team? What are your thoughts on last night? Just the overall feel right now of the Mariners. What are, what are you feeling with these guys? I mean, it's a wild, wild roller coaster, you know. We could definitely um, have – a downswing this weekend. You just never know. But you have to love the resilience. I mean, I know no one wants to hear it because everyone feels like they've been waiting so long for this team to become a winner. But they had a lot of injury setbacks this year. And I'm really impressed with what they are able to do in grinding out these games right now. Lots of injuries. Hella injuries, as the kids say. About seven to eight pitchers have been on the injury list. We've seen 50 different guys put on the uniform for the Mariners and trot out into the diamond. But the thing that I enjoyed last night was the excitement. Putting the ball in play. Shedlon put the ball in play, and you heard the roar from T-Mobile. Let's listen to that sound more. Fairbanks is signed. The set delivers. Swing and a line drive to left field. Down the line for a base hit. More around third being waved in. He's going to score around to third. Diving into the bag. Bowers. The throw in by a Rosarena. Cut off by the shortstop Walls. Long in its second base with an RBI double. Shed has tied it up at 5-5 five to five here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Holy smokes. What a big base hit by Shed Long. His second hit of the the night and his second double ties it in the bottom of the ninth. Second hit, second double ties it bottom of the ninth. You feel the excitement, you hear the excitement, and then good old Seeger. 
Good old Seager steps up and does what he does. Let's listen to that. The Mariners looking for a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. And the Fairbanks 0-1 pitch on the way to Kyle Seager. Swing the ground ball, base in the right field. The Mariners win it. Bowers will score. Kyle Seager with a pinch hit. RBI walk-off single here in the bottom of the ninth. And the Mariners come from behind and beat the Rays 6-5 to to take the opening game of this four-game series. And Seager's getting bobbed out there in shallow right field. Ooh, I get hyped just listening to that right there. Now, the 360 says, Bump, Fairbanks had only given up four runs all year and hadn't given up a run in a month. Even more impressive for the Mariners. Yes, give me those facts. Give us something to believe in. I love it. And again, we talked about Seager. Wasn't even supposed to play. We got Scott Service talking about that whole situation. It absolutely was. Yeah, it was It was. A- <laughs> Uh, you know, you look at games like that, and that was the plan. Just have a full day down. Um, you kind of regroup physically and mentally. But when you got a veteran on your bench like that, and your team has rallied and worked so hard to give you a chance to win, you know, you got to take a shot. And um, grateful that we had him and him to to take the right mindset to go up there, have a good at bat, and got it done for us. Get her done, son. That's what my coach used to tell me in high school. More, it's like, hey man, can you do this? Yes, sir, I can do it. <laughs> Get her done. That's exactly what Seeger. Did two five three says Mariners have always done just enough to make you think. Well, maybe I'm hoping we it's finally turn a corner after 20 years, right? But what else do we have to hold on to more? Like we have to take these moments and just run with them, right? I, I yeah, I get that totally, and I <laughs> and I feel like I can't tell someone not to feel that way. It's understandable, but I do think there is enough young talent right now to believe that if they can stay healthy, because sometimes I do wonder if there's an injury curse. <laughs> <laughs> if they could stay healthy over the next couple of years, you have to feel like very positive about this youth movement that they have coming up. But I don't know. The injury thing is uh, it starts to feel like a curse. Yeah. Injury thing is real. So, you know, to stay healthy, fellas, keep doing what you're doing. Young talent. Keep developing. Evan White has done some things. I think he just got hurt. He hurt his hip flexor down there in the minors. Um, Kelnick hit a home run last night. So, There's some positives there. I'm going to take the positives whenever I can. So now let's go back to the question of the day. I asked you, do you think Pete Carroll took a shot at Russell Wilson during his presser when he mentioned that the QB needed to get the ball out quicker? Here's that sound. To me, it is about it's about getting the ball out, and then so that means the execution and what you're asking the quarterback to do in terms of the, the style of throws uh, for timing purposes. You know, I, I would like us to be really quick um, in, in obvious passing situations and, and really rhythmical, and, and, and uh, uh, which we always want to be. But I think we're I think we're the furthest along we've been uh, at this point. Here's how I see it. Yeah, he took a jab, and it's okay to take a jab. People. Think of taking a jab at somebody as a bad thing. As a coach, it's your job to motivate your players, to hold them accountable, and get them to perform at a higher level. Russell still has some things that he can do. He hasn't completed 70% of his passes. He does hold on to the ball sometimes. But as he mentioned, when he does hold on to the ball half the time, it results in a big play. So you have to take the good with the bad. But this is Pete Carroll saying, all right? And that, yes, I'm reading into this. There's going to be somebody texting saying, oh, you're, you're reading too much into the comments. That's what they pay us to do. So I'm going to read into it. All right? So this is what I hear. I hear Pete Carroll saying, man, I've been quiet for months, dog. I've been quiet. 
I let you go on your parade. Mark Rogers, your agent's talking, and this is part of the business. He understands this is part of the business, but now it's go time. Now you've reported to camp. Now we're on a mission. Now it's Pete Carroll's job to motivate and hold Russell accountable, and I think that's how Russell's going to take this. Russell is a professional. He's not going to cry about it. He's not going to whine and go to the principal's office and make noise. He's going to be like, all right, that's what you think, Pete? All right. I got you. And I appreciate this. As a former player, I loved when coaches held us accountable. Even with young athletes, they might not say it, but they want to be held accountable. They want to be pushed. More, do you have any problem with Pete Carroll taking a little jab at his quarterback? No. I mean, don't you think that there were jabs taken at him this offseason? <laughs> All yeah. of that talk of Russ of Pete Carroll having too much control was I think coming from somewhere in the vicinity of Russell's camp. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even think this is only considered a shot from, I guess, knowing Pete Carroll and the fact that he usually is just only positive and he is saying, hey, some of this is on him. Mm-hmm. But I, it's it's still not even like it's an outright. It, yeah. It's true. This is yeah. going to be a team effort. The offensive line can do better, but Russell can do better with getting the ball out, too. Yep. And the 360 points out, it's schematics. You look at the scheme of the offense last year. A lot of it was downfield, but I trust me, guys, I watched a lot of film. There were some options underneath at times, but you are correct. This offense wasn't schemed around quick passes. A lot of play action, go deep. I agree with you, but there were some opportunities where Russ could have dumped it down, and I'm sure he sees that. And if he, no football player critiques themselves and says, man, I'm perfect, man. I got it all figured out. There's always something you can get better at. And I think with the combination of Shane Waldron bringing this offense and forcing Russ to get the ball out of his hands quicker, Pete Carroll taking note of it, I'm sure Russell feels the same way. He can can get better at that. It's all good. People just see that as conflict all the time. It's not always conflict. You're just critiquing. It's like, look, what can we do to get better? These are the things we have to do. I'm going to take a little jab at my guy. It's all good. All right. Now it's time. For What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. Hello, hello, Bump. What up, Dooley? (laughs) Uh, Well, this is a story that you brought to my attention. The Denver Broncos, a team that did not have a good season at all last year, ended their mini camp early for team bonding. I know you have some thoughts on this. What the heck is going on here? Team bonding. (laughs) Are, are we are we playing King Cove football in the state of Washington high school? Or, I mean, this team was 5-11 and 11 last year, Dooley. They have a quarterback controversy going on. You got Teddy Bridgewater over there competing with Drew Locke. You have the 23rd-ranked offense last year, 26th passing-ranked offense. Haven't made the playoffs since 2015. You're in the same division as the Chiefs. I doubt the Chiefs took a day off for team bonding. This is the time where you got to grind. You got to see who's who, who can do what. And if I'm a guy on the bubble, I don't know if I'm going to make this team. I might forget this team bonding, man. I got to practice. I got to show my position, coach, that I can play for this ball club. I don't agree with it. I understand why you do team bonding. You want guys to get close and kumbaya and play for each other. But this is the NFL. I, I told this story on the Danny Gallant show. There was this team bonding experience I had with the Seahawks where they let us jump off the dock. We were the first team in VMAC that had a dock there, jumped to Lake Washington. All the youngsters are doing it. You know who I see leaving, going to the parking lot? It's Walter Jones. He's like, man, I'm too old for this. Man, I got kids. I got bills. Man, my knees hurt. I'm not trying to do this team bonding stuff. So I understand why he did the team bonding. But you were 5-11 and 11 last year. You probably could use another day of practice. 
it's a good point, and I and I liked your other point. I think a lot of people probably say, oh, it's mini camp. They don't really practice that hard or do anything too intense, anyways. But your point of if you're a, a bubble guy, any look you can get, even if it's just a really light drill where you're catching some passes, you just want to get in front of those coaches. Yeah, you want to show them that they can trust you, and they lost an opportunity to do that. Team bonding, five and eleven. Go to practice, coach. All right, next up, we have Jerry DePoto. Um, the Mariners GM joined the Danny and Gallant show yesterday, and he was asked a question that I know a lot of our listeners have been wanting to know. Are they considering giving an extension to Mitch Haniger? We're always open to thoughts like that with Mitch or other players. It's uh, it's something we've used as in the past, whether it be with Marco, uh, whether it be with guys like Evan White. It's something that we have been aggressive with even with some players who are no longer here you know we did an extension with gene segura uh we're open to doing things like that it's and that has to be a marriage on both sides so while i can say that that's something that we as a club consider for anybody it's a it's a matter of the fit the the length and the cost is it's always what it's about for both sides and and we'll be open to considering that and i'm sure mitch will too did you get an answer out of that bump no non-committal gray area stuff (laughs) he did it this is what he sought out. I mean, he answered that question perfectly when it comes to me being on the professional side, the business side of this. Look, if he wants to be here, we'll be here. If it fits, it fits. If the contract looks right, it looks good. A lot of things have to happen. So right now, I can't really tell you yes or no, but we're going to say that if the situation is right for him to go, he'll go. If it's right for him to stay, we'll stay. That's how you answer questions as a GM, as a skipper, as a leader of a ball club. You can't just be like, yeah, we shopping him best offers on the table right now especially not now you're almost 500 your team has some momentum he is a leader in that locker room i think jerry did exactly what he was supposed to do here did you get anything out of this it made me think there's a higher chance that he could be traded i thought that i thought that percentage had gone down yeah but now i'm not so sure now not so sure you got a young team you're rebuilding um it's all about you know what do you have? What can you give somebody? And right now, he's a guy that could be put on the table. All right. It's time for you to be heard. Your voice. Your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. Time to be heard. If you don't recognize his voice, is Michael Bumpus, my guy Gallant. is doing his thing traveling the world. All right. You want to be heard. Call in 206-421-3776. My question for you guys today was, did Russell, excuse me, did Pete Carroll take a shot at Russell Wilson saying that he needs to get the ball out on time? Now, we've already had a couple responses. The 775, these area codes be messing me up more. 775, where is that? 775 says, it's not a shot, it's called coaching. I agree. A shot can be called coaching. You know, one of my favorite coaches of all time, you guys know if you listen enough, I'm a Lakers fan. So Phil Jackson is like the guru to me. He used to take shots at Kobe Bryant, Shaq, Robert Ory, Rick Fox, Ron Harper back in the day to keep these guys motivated and to hold them accountable. So, yes, it's coaching. And, yes, it is a shot. I think it can be both. I think it can motivate guys. Or for the week, it can get all in their head. It can compromise their play. It can really jack up the mentally weak. But I don't think that's – what's going to happen with Russell Wilson. Russell's mentally tough. He's been through a lot. He believes in himself. He prepares. All right? 360 says, Bump, not sure if that was a shot at Russ, but it was a reminder of how Russ needs to be a part of the solution also. I like that. 
Be a part of the solution. What is the solution? Getting the ball out quicker. What is also part of the solution? Shane Waldron implementing an offense that allows him to get the ball quicker or forces him to get the ball out quicker. A lot of concepts with uh, Schottenheimer were down the field, play action, I'm booting to my left, set up, let the thing go, see if number 14 or 16 can come down with the football. So there, there's a lot of things that need to happen to make this thing work. Um, I saw it as a little, a little shot. More do, you th- more, do you see it as a shot or as coaching or can it be both? Well, like I said, I think the only reason that you would go as far as to call it a shot is just because Pete Carroll rarely says anything that's even slightly negative. So we, we're definitely reading into it a bit. But I think, yeah, I think he wants the blame to be spread evenly as opposed to it sounding like everyone else was the problem on offense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. A true team, a true team, everyone takes responsibility, but the leader usually steps up in front and says, you know what, that's on me. How many press conferences have we seen where quarterbacks or receivers or anybody steps up to the podium and they go, yeah, that one's on me. And we don't necessarily think it's on them. Like, yeah, you contributed to it. There are a lot of things that contributed to this loss. But with good football teams or any teams in general, somebody's going to step up and be like, you know what? I can do better in that situation. Remind you, be heard. Call me, 206-421-3776. Going back to the text lines. Where are we at? Uh, 206 says, sounds like he's talking the makeup of tempo. So from what I understand, you think that Pete Carroll is talking about just playing faster in general, right? Getting on Well, it's important to note the context of that question because we don't have it in there. He was asked basically how to reduce the sacks and keep the quarterback yeah. upright. And the first thing he said was that we need to be quicker getting the ball out. See, and now you, you, you just made it deeper, Dooley. How can you eliminate sacks? Russell just said, I'm tired of being sacked. So now, Pete, I'm reading into it, folks. Yes, I'm doing it. So now, Russ, uh, Pete is saying, all right, Russ, how do you eliminate these sacks? You're tired of getting hit. We'll get the ball out quicker. How are we going to do that? We got a new offensive coordinator that's going to force you to do that, and you have to take some responsibility as well. He didn't say all that, but I'm reading between the lines. That's what they pay us to do. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing right now. All right, the 425 says, Russ needs to learn what a check down is. He rarely ever uses check down. Also give a shout-out to my boy, Randy, listening today. What's up, Randy? I see you, baby. All right, back to the comment. He rarely uses check down. I don't know if he rarely used his check down. And the only reason why I say that is because when you use check downs, you're usually talking to your running backs, right? Your running backs are your outlets when it comes to check downs. And I'm going to look up Chris Carson's stats. And I'm going to say the dude had at least receiving. Chris Carson had 37 receptions, 37 receptions with 46 targets. I'm going to say more than half of those were check downs. So Maybe he, he does use his checkdowns, but maybe he can use them a bit more, and hopefully that's what Shane's going to bring to this offense. Were the running back injuries an issue there? Because I do remember Schottenheimer saying after Carson had been out injured that they needed to do a better job of coming back to what they had said preseason, which was that they wanted to incorporate him more in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris Carson it, is your number, what, number four receiver last year with 37 receptions. And when he was out, who was in? You had Alex Collins. You had DJ Dallas, who had 17 receptions. Um, you had Travis Homer, who had nine receptions. It definitely changes 
your thought process. When you don't have your guys in there, your number ones are your number ones for a reason. They are reliable. They're going to execute. You can trust them. Your number twos are twos for a reason. Maybe not as reliable. Maybe not as fast. Not as quick. Doesn't understand the scheme. You get down to your number threes, it's almost like sometimes you just close your eyes, throw it, and hope it. It's kind of like how I scored my touchdown, my one touchdown in the league. I was a number three. Hasselback looked at me, looked away, and said, all right, I'm going to give this guy a chance and, and threw me the rock. I wasn't his first option, naturally, because I was the number three. I think that factors into how games are played and how they are called as well. Let's go back to the text lines. Go 253 says, hey, Bump, how many Hall of Fame players played on our Super Bowl team, in your opinion? Uh, who we got? We got Bobby, Sherm, uh, Russ will be one. Who's on that offensive line that was good? I think, think Marshawn is a Hall of Famer. Is Marshawn a Hall of Famer? We've had this debate with Carol before. I, I think, yeah, I think so. Think he's a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. With, did I say Carol? With uh, Clay, John Clayton, Clayton before, because he's a Hall of Fame voter. And I think he was borderline for a while, but he's, he's thinking that he'll get in now. All right. We got Cam. Cam Chancellor, maybe Hall of Famer. His career is kind of short, but there's no denying. He always says the safety position is harder to get in at. It is. He had a shorter have... career, but I wish he would. You got to have like a lot of interceptions. You got to have like Ed yeah. Reed type stuff at that safety position. That's tough. I'd say at least four. At least four of those guys on that Super Bowl team um, are Hall of Famers. All right, 206 says, I really think you are reading into it. Not upset about it, but I think it's really just hammering home up tempo that Wald- Waldron is deploying. I, I feel that. A tempo all day. I, I am reading into it. I'm, I definitely am. But the reason why you have to read into what coaches say, because they're hardly just going to be 100 and completely transparent. That's just not the business. They're going to give you some things to think about. They're going to dance around a question or two. And it's no fault to them. It's just like, look, you don't tell everybody your business. You know, you got stuff going on in your house with your spouse, your kids or something like that. You don't walk down the street and tell some random person, man. My wife is killing me today. You know all my kids? You just don't do that. You keep it in-house. So I understand uh, why coaches are like that. So that's why we read into it. All right. The 724 says Pete was using the royal we and shouldering some blame for not overruling shoddy's calls more often. Often, I see that. That's what good coaches do. Right. You, you take some of that blame. We just talked about it. That's what leaders do. Your team could have played like you know what. It could be a specific position, but the leaders are going to come out and say, we have to do better. That's on me. What can I do to make this thing work? All right. That's what that's what good coaches do. That's what good players do. I ain't mad at that. All right. Coming up next, I will go into the sports pit with my guy, Dave Wyman. It's Michael Bumpus filling in for Paul Gallant. It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're gonna to fail. With Paul Gallant. Welcome back. It's Michael Bumpus filling in for Paul Gallant. Before we get into the sports pit, let me remind you, this is Friday Mariners ticket giveaway. In celebration of Father's Day, we want to get you to a Mariners game this summer. That's right. You'll have a chance to go to a bunch of games. So right now, Caller number two, call 206-421-3776 or 866-979-3776. We'll win four tickets to an upcoming game. And don't forget, you can spend this weekend soaking up the sun at T-Mobile Park as the Mariners continue their four-game series against the Rays, including Beer Hat Night tonight. Find great seats at Mariners.com. Now let's get into the pit. Dave Wyman, what's up? 
beer hat night. Oh man, I'm not missing that. <laughs> Can't miss it. How Can't you doing, miss Bob? It. I'm doing well, man. How are you? You catch that game last night? What do you think about these Mariners? Yeah, they're they're really fun to watch, man. It's uh, it's interesting how we kind of live day by day. Um, you know, uh, Bob really loves baseball. And so, you know, like, we'll do the first 20 minutes of every show of just talking about the game the night before. Yeah. And, you know, going in, I think it's kind of interesting because we, uh, <laughs> we, we said that we're not going to look at this team night by night. And, yeah. You know, we don't expect them to be a winning team and everything. But then you get, you know, your hopes up and then you get disappointed and then you get your hopes up again. And, <laughs> you know, that was one of those games. So it was, uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch. Like, you know, when they blanked the Twins, um, you know, they're a really good hitting team. And, you know, Flexen went out there and did what he did. I mean, those are the kinds of things that really, I think, get you charged up is the performances like Chris Flexen the other night where you just don't expect it. Yeah. And, you know, Luis Torrens, he was batting like 215 down in Tacoma, and he was not batting well at the big league level. They sent him down, and then he comes up, and, you know, and he's hitting. So it's, uh, yeah, every – Every day we're, we're choosing to live day by day by these Mariners. And I got to say, it's been mostly a positive experience because you just didn't expect that much. That's a perfect way to describe it, Dave. Day by day. I used to watch this show back in the day, step by step on TGI Friday, step by step, day <laughs> by day. That, that's how I live through these Mariners. I think that is beautiful. Uh, let's, so let's talk some football, man. We both were at practice yesterday. Um, they practiced on the far field, so it was hard for us to see a lot of what was going on, but we did see a lot of the defensive lineman drills, linebacker drills, saw the offense from a distance. Overall feel from practice yesterday. They look fast, um, and it, it, you know everybody looked really smooth. Um, you know what I did see out of uh, the offense that caught my eye? One was that Colby Parkinson, the tight end out of Stanford, looked really good. He had a couple of beautiful catches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Akilo Witherspoon kind of flashed. He just looked – him and Gerald Everett were two guys that stood out to me that they just looked smooth. Yeah. And you know this bump when you see a guy moving around the field, it's like an economy of steps and movements. It's like he's not taking a bunch of extra steps. Mm-hmm. It's just very smooth and like he's taking the least number of steps possible to get to where – he can win, you know, get open and make a catch or knock a ball down. So those two guys kind of stood out to me. And then just some of the the plays and listening to the guys talk about it, like Tyler Lockett was saying, hey, look, if they're going to take away the underneath stuff, we can go deep. If they're going to take away the deep stuff, we can go underneath. And that's what they didn't do last year against the Giants. That game stands out the most to me. Yeah. There was, uh, I just thought it was too hard for Russell. Um, there was a check down available to Russ on a 12-yard sack that he took. Carlos Hyde could have got 60 yards, and Russ just didn't see him. It's not because he's a bad player, obviously. It's just because the way the offense just didn't make sense to him. Mm-hmm. And so, it sounds like these guys, the way they're talking about it, everything makes sense to him, and that um, that the Shane Waldron is a really good teacher. He just, and you know this, I always, uh, ironically, I, I hate golf and I know you love it, bump, but I've had golf lessons where the guy just says the right words. Yeah. He says the right words to make me do uh, a movement or something 
you know, one time I remember the guy said, swing past your nose. So, cause I was picking my head up uh-huh. and once I did that, I just started crushing the ball and it was a, this was a bat or he was a pitching coach at Stanford. I took a class in the summertime golf class and, um, I thought he was like the best instructor I ever had. And I was like, I bet you're a really good coach too, as far as a pitching coach goes, because some, some guys have it and some don't. It sounds like Shane Waldron just has it. He's able to, you know, convey exactly what he wants to get done. It makes sense to everybody. And that's something to me, especially when I was a veteran, it had to make sense. Like I would always be like, well, why are we doing it this way? Why don't we do it that way? And if they explained it to me in a way, because there was a lot of coaches that were like, well, just because I said so. Yeah, right. You know, and I'll be like, well, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'll do it. But um, but some coaches were like, it's because of this. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. And I, that's kind of what it, it sounds like is happening out there. And that's exactly what I wanted to hear out of guys like Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson. You know what I got out of that, Dave? Mm. Is that you hate golf, but you went and took a lesson. So it's it's in you, Dave. It is in you. It's deep down inside of you. I'm going to pull it out of you sooner or later. Well, listen, if I can go with you, all right, I like golfing with people that I enjoy being around. <laughs> I get a little distracted after we get to hole nine and there's hot dogs and beer. So you'd have to keep my focus. But but no, I, I to me, golf is all about going out and hanging out with your buddies. So yeah, man, I'd love to play with you. I feel you. Let's do it. You know who tried to make guys hang out with their buddies, or I don't know if there are buddies, the Denver Broncos, man. They did not practice on their last day of minicamp to have a team bonding day. Here's my issue with the day. One, you were 5-11 and 11 last year. You don't know who your quarterback is going to be, really. And the guys on the bubble need that day to show these coaches that they can play. I just don't understand why they would do that. And you're in the same division as the Chiefs. Chiefs ain't taking no days off, Dave. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what. It depends on, number one, what was the team bonding experience. If it was going to the Emerald Isle and drinking beer and having wrestling matches like we did when I was there in Denver. I, that, and, sounds that sounds me good. Me and uh, Hall of Famer Gary Zimmerman got in a uh, like a benches-clearing brawl, like wrestling match in the Emerald Isle, which was out in Parker, Colorado. And it actually was a bonding experience. And But, I mean, there was tables and chairs flying. I remember at one point Elway got in between us, and there was like a big <laughs> wrestling match going on. I mean, that's team bonding. Yeah. If they went to like a water park or something like that, I mean, that's, you know, it's ridiculous. No, but, uh, you know, I, I think you make a good point. Like, what about the guys that need one more rep? Yeah. Or two more reps or, you know, it, and a lot of the things are done for the veterans. But what about the guys that are trying to make the team, you know, and they mm-hmm. could use those extra reps. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe something good will come out of it. But yeah, I think Kyle Shanahan said it best. It's hard to get good at football if you don't practice football. Right. You have to. You can't fake football. You know, NBA, mm-hmm. you go on your road trips. You don't practice at all. You play three games in five nights. In football, it's it's so technical and, and steps are critical that you need these reps. So, yeah, I am with you there, Dave. Now, another question I, I have for you, Dave, is do you mind or do you think Pete Carroll took a little jab at Russell Wilson? He was asked, you know, how can we get this, this offense going, uh, you know, uh, moving efficiently and he said look quarterback has to get the ball out of his hands me personally i'm like that's a little jab but that's just accountability it's coaching it's holding him accountable and i have no problem with it do you think that was a jab or do you think it was just football talk 
You know, I think uh, a lot of times uh, I'll answer a question like this. Uh, I think Pete's just looking for things to say. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he gets asked a lot of things. And, you know, yeah, you want to get the ball out of Russell's hands. But I bet you if you said, hey, Pete, what about those plays where he hangs on to it and he makes an amazing play? Yeah. I mean, I would never take that away from him. But, you know, remember last year when – he uh, reportedly told them, hey, we got to be more careful with the football. And so everybody read that as being more conservative. But, you know, you, you can't blame him. I mean, that's the thing about if you look at uh, giveaways and Mara's favorite team, the, the Fighting Dooleys in New England, they are really good at not giving the ball away. Yeah. And if you go look over the last few years, like Belichick and Pete Carroll, they know, they get it, like don't turn the ball over. So – you know he's got to he's got to coach him that way, and that's not necessarily him getting in the way and you know meddling with the offense. But you know I I, I think it's just a really fine line with Russ that you just kind of have to because if you're him, I mean look at all the spectacular he plays he's made by holding on to the ball. Yeah. You know, the the one throw to Tyler Lockett in that L.A. game that had like a 1% chance. Remember, they did that commercial on TV. He's running to his left. He throws across his body. Tyler barely gets his toenails in. I mean, it's uh, that's the kind of thing that happens when Russ does hang on to the ball. So hopefully it'll be easier for Russ. It'll just be easy. Like, he'll know where the check down is. He won't have to make – I mean, I'll still look forward to him making those kinds of plays. Yeah. You know, because even we saw even Jared Goff make those kind of plays every once in a while with the Rams where he extended a play, did, did it in the playoffs where he dumped that pass off to Cam Akers. So um, – you know he he'll still have I think plenty of room to do that, but I'm just hoping that it's easier for him. And like we talked about earlier, the offense just makes sense to him. Yeah, you know it's going to be easy, Dave, when we mm. get on that golf course and we sh- we're shaking uh, golf balls and drinking beer. Man, I appreciate you taking time and hollering at me, man. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's do it, man. All right, have a good one, Dave. Thanks for having me on. That was Dave Wyman. I'm Michael Bumpus filling in for Paul Gallant. Coming up next, man. Talk to me. I want to highlight you. We ain't got no callers yet, all right? 206-421-3776 or text in. Talk to you in a minute. Paul Gallant Show. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. Welcome back to the Paul Gallant Show as Michael Bump is filling in once again. How's everybody doing today? So remember the question I asked you guys earlier. Do you think Pete Carroll took a jab at his quarterback by saying this offense could get going if he got the ball out quicker? A lot of you guys are saying, no, it's not a jab. That's coaching. I agree. I also agree that you can take jabs while coaching. Um, I think that's all part of the deal. Like I've mentioned before, Phil Jackson, one of my favorite guys of all time, took jabs at his players, got him going. So Pete Carroll also said, look, uh, this offense – Hopefully this offense will play faster and that will protect the quarterback. Let's listen to that audio. We got that more? I just think that the details that he brings and the, the, con- the continuity of the entire system is really sharp. And uh, the fact that Russell is in on it and, and, and uh, Gino, they can execute it and call the stuff at the line of scrimmage and all the things we have to do. I just think you'll see us play faster. I'm hoping that we'll really – uh, protect the quarterback better. Uh, that's one of the things that we're we're trying to do with our rhythm of things. As we when we're at our best, Russell's really quick with the football, and so that's been a big focus for us. 
See, this is something we need to focus on, too. So he, he kind of calls out his quarterback, but then he also says we need to protect him. He's holding everyone accountable. He's going across the board and saying, look, this is what needs to happen for this offense to be successful, and I'm all about it. Russell needs to get the ball out quicker. You need to protect the quarterback. Receivers need to make plays, and you have to learn this new offense. The faster these guys can get going with the offense, the better. Now, what does up-tempo mean? We're on with Jeff Schwartz in the Danny Gallant show, and he goes, look, man, he's an offensive lineman. I believe he went to Oregon. We got drafted in 2007, played for a while. Um, He goes, look, all offenses look fast during training camp, and he's right. They do look fast. You know why? Because no one's being tackled. You can really control the tempo of the game. And then he goes, as you get into the season, guys start to figure out, figure you out, you get your tendencies down, and you start to slow down. That is also true. But how do you keep your up-tempo? You just get to the line of scrimmage fast. I think that's what really sets the tone when it comes to up-tempo type of play. Get to the line of scrimmage and get ready to go. So we'll see what type of tempo this offense plays with this year. Again, I love to see them jump out the gates like they did before, and excuse me, last year, but sustain it. And how do you sustain up-tempo and that, that type of firepower? You have to be able to adapt. You have to adjust. You have to add wrinkles every single week. If the Hawks have ran zone right 10 times the week before, you got to have a zone right boot off of that. You got to have a, a, a zone look that turns into a counter. You have to keep the defense guessing. Right when, you, when they think they figured you out, you throw something at them. You're like, look, yeah, you put, we put this on film, but we got something else for you. Pete Carroll also talked about who he thought was going to be the breakout player for this offense this year. Oh, I think you're going to be really excited to see Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett is a, is a guy who comes to us from the Rams out of free agency that uh, was acquired by the Rams when Shane was there. Uh, Shane was in, responsible for him, coaching him up. Um, this is, this is the, the, I think, the, the fanciest – uh, sweetest looking receiver tight end mix that we've had. Um, he's like a wide receiver. He's got terrific after the catch uh, run ability, really aggressive, and he's a good blocker too. And, and, and he knows the system inside and out. He said fancy. I was listening to Jake and Stacy yesterday. Stacy said when she hears fancy, she thinks of Jimmy Graham and Iggy Azalea. She's a rapper. I believe she's from Australia. If you don't know who she is. I think she was engaged to Nick Young, too. But that's what she thinks about when she thinks of fancy, especially the tight end position. You 12s forget about Jimmy Graham. I know he couldn't block. I know he wasn't the, the toughest guy, but he was great in the red zone. He brought a lot to the table. So Pete Carroll is saying this, this is one of the fanciest tight end receivers room he's ever seen. Now you got DK, Lockie, Gerald Everett. Don't forget Uncle Will. We'll see who that third receiver is going to be. Might be Dwayne Eskridge. I like it. They have weapons on offense. All right, the 206 says, look at what Waldron's offense did for golf. Sky's the limit for what it can do for us. Here's the thing. He was the passing game coordinator. So I'm sure he had input on the overall game plan, but he was the passing game coordinator. Um, He wasn't the offense coordinator. He didn't dial in the runs. He didn't drop the runs. I'm sure they're in the same meetings they're learning, and I'm confident that Shane Waldron is going to help this offense evolve and do some things that uh, Scheinheimer just didn't do. But this is going to be his first time really having complete control of a game plan. And that could be a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's going to be a good thing because he was over there when Todd Gurley was there with the Rams. And he got to learn, like, look, this is how you use your backs, your tight ends, your wide receivers. What I'm looking forward to seeing are tight end screens, man. Uh, we don't see enough of that in this Seahawks offense. I think with Gerald Everett, a big guy who, can, who has some wiggle, who can get upfield – 
it's it's going to be huge. Tight end screens are going to be huge for this team. More duly, is there is there one thing that you're looking forward to seeing this year with this offense? I was really excited when Tyler Lockett was talking about incorporating more short and intermediate passes the other day. I know that doesn't sound like something to get excited over, but I just do think that they they've got the explosive part down, but there yeah. was times last year where they probably should have just taken uh, I heard Mina Kimes put it this way. Russ needs to take to take the layup sometimes. Take He's capable layup. of such greatness, but every now and then you actually need to just take the more simple route. I like it. Take the layup. Well, I'm done today. I'm not taking the layup. I'm taking the weekend off, baby. All right. Hey, I appreciate you guys tuning in for the Paul Galan Show. It's me, Michael Bumbas, filling in. I want to thank Dave Wyman, more Dooley on the ones and twos. Coming up next, you have Jake and Stacy. I will holler at you guys Monday.